You're listening to DevOps and Docker Talk, and I'm your host, Brett Fisher. These are edited audio-only versions of my YouTube live show that you can join every Thursday at brett.live. This podcast is sponsored by my Patreon members. I'd like to thank all the paid supporters that make this show possible. You can get more info and follow my updates on all the content and open source I'm creating at patreon.com slash brettfisher. And as a reminder, all the links for this show, the topics we discuss, as well as the links I've already mentioned, are available on the podcast website at podcast.brettfisher.com. Microcates is one of my favorite Kubernetes distributions. It's easy to install, lightweight, has a great command line interface for configuration, managing nodes, and installing add-ons. The Microcates project is managed by Canonical, you know, those Ubuntu people. But it works on any Linux distro that supports snap packages, which is a lot of them. In November 2020, I had project manager Alex Chakiez on the show to talk about the newly released multi-node high availability feature in Microcates, which means you can now start considering Microcates as an option for fully redundant cluster setups. Since that interview, the open source community around Microcates has been releasing minor versions about every four months, including keeping the Kubernetes versions up to date and continuing to add new add-ons to their one-line install list that's getting quite impressive at this point, including Kata containers, OpenEBS, and the KEDA, or K-E-D-A, event-driven auto-scaling. I pulled this year-old interview out of my 2020 live show archive because it continues to be one of my go-to K8s distributions because of its easy setup and teardown, and I hope this show convinces you to give it a shot. Now on with the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so, so excited I'm excited for you to be here. We've been, you actually reached out to me on Twitter eight, six months ago, eight months ago, something like that. I think it was like six months ago or something. Yeah. And we started talking about uh, microcates and how much uh, I'm using it in my courses and I enjoy using it. It's a really easy Kubernetes distribution. We started throwing around the idea of like, how do we get you on the show? Uh, you asked me about help I needed. And so it's been really great. I've enjoyed having the sort of the support of Canonical to uh, make sure our students are getting, because, you know, we have hundreds of students a day actually starting the courses and there's, I think we're now up to like 15,000 students a month in the courses. So that means that there's a lot of people having to set up microcates and learning Kubernetes at some point. So tell me a little bit about your background, how you got into Kubernetes and, and this microcates thing. I have a software engineering background. I uh, finished my studies in the University of Patras in Greece. And then I started working for Nokia in Athens. So still as a software engineer, but the telco space is like a really particular industry, to say the least. A lot of learnings at telecommunication protocols while doing sort of a maintenance and operations as a first job. And then I moved into a little bit more to the software architecture and 5G and SDN projects, cutting edge. And then, yeah, I felt that I'm more into organizing a technical team rather than doing the tech work myself. And I slowly evolved into product manager and I joined Canonical 11 months ago. I had some theoretical knowledge around Kubernetes, but I really got my hands dirty with microcates. It's been actually really useful for me to use the product itself to learn Kubernetes. I think it's one of the easiest way for people to onboard to their Kubernetes journey. And now we even have like 
enterprise grade features and we consider it to be production ready. So it's, it's like really the end to end story we, we want to, to tell. Yeah. Cause when I first learned microcates a couple of years ago, or at least about it, and I tried it out, it's a quite a different tool than it is today. And I, I think back then it was single node only, you know, it wasn't necessarily bragging about being like a production ready tool at the time. And it was kind of early days, but it's changed a lot. And I keep seeing from you, thank you, updates on major new features. So I'm excited to get into some of those details in the show today. I have been saying micro K8s for a long time, mostly because K8s was the original way I was saying the mini version of Kubernetes. And now we have all these different variations on not just how to say Kubernetes, but now every distribution of Kubernetes. Now, you know, the thousand ways there are to say kube control. So for those of you out there wondering, if we call it different things, that's just because it's the internet and, you know, there's the official way to say it maybe, but the rest of us all have different ways of saying it. So you're okay with your way of saying it and I'm okay too. So over the course of 2020, there have been multiple updates to, to microcates. So for those that have taken my courses, they have learned some of the basics about installing it on one machine. They basically just do the simple install command, which we can get to. But what else is beyond that now? I know that they could enable DNS and a couple of other built-in features like ingress and whatnot, but what's happened this year? So a lot of things have happened. I think the first major story was about the native installers were Windows and Mac OS. So in the beginning, as many people have already used Kates on Windows and Mac, uh, you needed a virtual machine to host a Linux OS and, and then uh, deploy Kubernetes uh, on top of your Linux in the VM. What we have done for Windows and Mac OS is effectively provide with a native installer, which means that if, if a Windows user uh, w was to click on this little Windows icon here, they can get the installer for Windows downloaded on their Windows machine and then run the GUI, the wizard, exactly the same way as uh, one would do for any other Windows application. And then after the uh, setup is complete, there is a, a lightweight VM with multipass, which I guess we'll discuss in more detail along the way, and will host Mike Gates inside that, that little VM. What it means is that all the complexity of setting up a, a VM environment is removed from the end user. You can click on the download and you uh, get uh. all the install instructions for your Windows setup and likewise for Mac. So. Our goal with Microcates is to remove all the, the complexity of setting up the Kubernetes because we feel that it, it's really going towards the commoditization. Everybody needs a Kubernetes nowadays, and we want to help users just get on with it and just focus on where the value dies, which is container development. So they don't need to care about their Kubernetes. And we think we've gotten it right to take care of about all the uh, intricacies that come with deploying the platform. Yeah, so that's about, that is about the uh, the Windows and Mac installers. So if you click on the Mac icon, you would get all the guidelines on how to install on Mac. And then we have had the general availability of the HA features. So highly available Kubernetes is something really necessary for production. We have been supporting the multi-node instances for quite some time now, I think from the late 2019. But now as you install the latest version of Microcades, 
It comes with HA as a default. And yeah, we're super excited about having this really enterprise-grade story to enable our customers and, and businesses drive their, their container use cases on top. So what I used to tell people was, you know, a year ago, I was saying, first, you need a Linux machine and you can do that with multi-pass. So you're telling me that on Mac and Windows, because if I'm on a Ubuntu machine or any Linux machine, I can use the snap, which is like an easier way to install a package, right? On Linux, I can use that to just have Kubernetes natively on my machine. That's actually one of the distinctions I try to make because like students have a question about the difference between Minikube and Microcates. And I talk about Minikube being sort of a virtual machine manager where Microcates doesn't require a virtual machine on a Linux box. You basically provided any Linux machine and it installs natively on okay. But now on Windows and Mac, they don't have to go get multi-pass separately. They can just down, download a GUI, kind of like the Docker desktop experience, right? Where they can just, they install this thing and then it works out of the box. Since we've talked about multi-pass several times, let's just talk about that because that is another one of my favorite tools and I use it all the time. So what is this thing multi-pass? I, I sometimes have a hard time with the elevator pitch of trying to tell someone how this is different from like, VirtualBox or, you know, Hyper-V or whatever. So that they get confused about what this tool, the problem that this solves. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty much uh, a similar experience that Multipass provides. For us, the elevator pitch of Multipass would be like the easiest way to get an Ubuntu VM. It doesn't need to be an Ubuntu VM, but that's really where we come from. You can, again, install it pretty much anywhere. With Microcates, you don't need to care about the separate installation anymore as, as of the native installers. Like the two, right? Is that what you're saying? Like yeah. you're doing yeah. this for Microcates purposes, just go ahead and download the Microcates bundle. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We have appliances in, in multipass, so you can sort of have your specific images that you want with, with the OS and the applications enabled within multipass, so you can launch your VM that would include like a specific set of uh, configurations and applications. It's really super easy. I think CLI-wise, it's probably one of the easiest virtual machine managers that I've seen around. I've used many of these, especially on Windows, but for Linux and the CLI, I think Multifast is, is really probably one of the easiest solutions there. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I, I recommend it nowadays. For those of you that have taken one of my courses and you've heard of the Docker machine application, it was a CLI tool that is no longer supported, actually. It still works, but it's not being maintained. So it's time for us to find a, a new tool, but it solved the problem of how do I spin up multiple VMs to create a quick Docker cluster that I can run Swarm on, or I just need a, a couple of do different Docker machines. And it, what it all was really doing in the background was downloading and auto-provisioning a Linux a VM, a tiny little Linux VM, and then pre-installing Docker on it, essentially. So it saved you a couple of steps. And it's certainly way faster than the old school days of, you know, download an Ubuntu ISO, right? And then make a custom VM, then mount that, go through the whole installation, next, next, you know, picking my keyboard, all those different things I have to choose. And then maybe 20 minutes later, I have uh, a VM that runs Ubuntu. Whereas, so Docker Desktop solved that, but it's, it's going away and it only was for Docker. It didn't help you with Kubernetes. It didn't really work with Kubernetes, didn't have any way to install Kubernetes. So I have started uh, about a year ago, I was starting to use this as my default way for pr basically just provisioning any Linux VM, anything I needed locally uh, on my machine. 
And whether I was on Mac, Windows, or Linux, it would just figure out the right way to do that for my OS without me having to pick my proper virtualization technology or whatever driver that I had to deal with for virtualization. It just would choose all that for me. And then within, you know, it, it would download, I think it's like around an 800 meg ISO file. It basically downloads the pre-configured latest Ubuntu and you can mm-hmm. specify different versions. I think they might even show that example here. But I started using it. So if, you, if I went to the command line now and did a multi-pass list, I would have eight different v- VMs, one for each version of Kubernetes over the last five versions, one that's just Linux without Kubernetes, one that I might be running an old version of Ubuntu to basically simulate maybe a production server I have that's on you know 14 release or a 16 LTS, something like that. So if those of you are out there, this show isn't meant to be about multipass. If you need a way to spin up Linux VMs quickly, I love this tool. So definitely check it out. I just learned before we started the show from Alex that it's now bundled into MicroKates. So if you're just trying to get some local Kubernetes, then you maybe don't even need to go download multipass manually. I'm curious though, if I install MicroKates from here, do I get the multipass command line? Is it like a full multipass install? It is a okay. full multi-path install. So the, the install happens only on Windows and Mac because on Linux, you, you don't really need a, a Linux VM on top, of course. But yeah, you, you, you get the full multi-path. You can see the little icon running in your services. And yeah, you get the, the multi-path CLI. And, and effectively, you can use other post-native CLI to run your, your Linux commands or the multi-path CLI. So it's, it's really up to the user. Right. Yeah, and in, in chat, well, let's see, let's look at some of the questions here. Can you run Docker Desktop and MicroKates on the same machine? Absolutely. There's no magic with MultiPass or MicroKates. MultiPass is a virtualization machine manager, right? So it just happens to provide the OS for that VM and the VM, it layers over top of that whatever VM solution. So it's not replacing Hyper-V or VMware or any of these other things that you would do. It's just picking one or providing you one out of the box a little bit. It's a little bit of the ease of use factor but you're still gonna need something in the background, right? Still running a VM. It's just creating that for you. So with the case of the MicroKates, that may not need a VM. If you're already on a Linux box, or if you already have a Linux VM in the cloud on your local machine, if it's not using multipass, it's just provided by something else. Like for example, I have a full Mint OS Linux variant that I use, I play around with it just to kind of play with Mint. Uh, which runs, it's basically on top of an Ubuntu install and it r- provides a different GUI than um, Ubuntu. So on that machine, it's already in a Parallels VM on my Mac. So in order to get MicroKates on it, I don't need Multipass because that's to create other VMs. And sometimes I think some people get confused a little bit. Uh, it's hard for me to explain it. Sometimes people are like, but wait, what am I, what is this doing? Is this providing both tools? So just realize that MicroKates is a Kubernetes distribution. You can run it anywhere. Uh, Multipass is a local VM manager. It sort of automates VM setup, teardown, swapping between them. It gets you a quick shell so you don't have to run, like if you've ever had to use VirtualBox and to get a shell in there, you either have to figure out how to SSH in, which is always a pain, or you have to you know actually use their GUI for the actual terminal. And that sucks because uh, you don't have your local tooling. So multipass, it's easy. You can just shell right in and you can hop back and forth, copy files, and it's great. I Go ahead. see. Two questions asking pretty much the same thing about uh, the MicroKates bare metal supports. The answer is yes. We you can run MicroKates on directly on bare metal. It should be production ready, given the fact that we we also support HA. So if you want to cluster multiple bare metal machines, you can do so. Nice. Yeah, because I know that specifically on your website, you've mentioned IoT 
which is usually going to be bare metal. <laughs> how many worker nodes can we join and how many master nodes can we initiate? So this gets a little bit into the HA. So for the worker nodes, there's no limit that I know of on the number of worker nodes that you might want to join. It really depends on the resources of your system. And then, so the, the thing with HA is that the, I think I need to share my sort of yeah, slide in, in how this works, because the, I think it, it would be easier for people to really understand the intricacies. Let me go on to present mode and I need my slide here because I, I always figure out that it's way easier for people to understand when I show them the picture instead of just saying a bunch of words that don't really explain nicely. So. We, we took a kind of a step-by-step -step approach in, in enabling a high availability for Kates. So in the beginning, we just were supporting clustering. So we went from supporting a single node. So you would run, install the micro Kates on your host to being able to link multiple hosts in, into a single, a multi-node cluster. So here we have a node. And then if I type micro Kates join on a second node, they will automatically see each other. And then a third node, just again, with the single command, microcates join forms a three node cluster and so on and so forth. So you need the add node command on the first on, on effectively what would be your master node, and then joining the rest of the nodes. And then you will have the API services available from all of the nodes, but then your master node would be only the first node and the rest of the nodes would be the worker nodes. So that was like right before we, we announced HA. So with HA, it's a little bit different. In order to support HA, you need to have the Kubernetes data store replicated alongside, well, it, replicated in, in multiple nodes effectively. So the add node command still stands for the first node, but then we, what we did is we embedded the, the data store into the Kubernetes API. So the join will effectively connect the second nodes to the cluster and then the third one. And the, the magic that happens is that as soon as we have three nodes linked into a cluster, the database is automatically replicated. So we have a leader node in the database forum and two voter nodes to ensure that all the Kubernetes state is probably replicated across, across all nodes. And then if I add fourth node, the fourth node would be a standby node for the database. And then the fifth node would be a spare. All right. So this is sort of what we call the zero ops HA clustering, because the only thing the user needs to do in order to have HA is to join the nodes to the cluster. Everything else, meaning database maintenance is taken care of automatically without needing any user intervention. And so for just to give you an example of how this works, the self-healing result of the, of high availability, we have the same setup. What would happen if I have my first node die? So I might need to, to do it a couple more times. So you have the database leader that just died and you will see the, the cluster taking care of the transition. So the second node that was part of the quorum was automatically elected a new leader. The standby node became a voter node, and then the spare node became a standby node. And all this 
no user intervention necessary. Right. That's how health self-healing HA works. So, so, okay. So what I'm hearing is every node out of the box is a potential manager or a leader rather. And the, what's the database technology in the back end that's actually storing all this data. So this is probably the most interesting change that we introduced with HA. We swapped etcd for DQLite is uh, a distributed SQLite database that is actually quite popular and it works really nice with, with embedded use cases. And what it does is that it has the raft algorithm to support everything with regards to the database quorum. And this is what enables the automatic high availability with the self-healing uh, capability. Nice. So is there a support for installing microcates via Mac ports? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah. So I use brew Mac ports is actually an older technology that's still around. Yeah, we support brew out of the box. Okay. Well, I think actually we don't know, but it's not listed on the website in the docs that I've seen. So, well, would there be a strong use case for us supporting Mac ports? I don't know. Like I think everybody, well, not everybody, but the most popular install tool would be brew right. today. Yeah. So the other option is, yeah. So you got GUI and brew. Is that, is there a GUI install for windows or is it just, I'm sorry, for Mac or is it only brew on Mac? That is uh, a GUI install for windows, but I don't see it necessarily for Mac. No, no, it's, it's GUI on windows with the wizard and brew on Mac. And uh, this is a subtle little thing. Cause I'm looking at the website, a subtle little thing here is th there used to be a dot for the microcates commands. Is that yeah, changing on everything or is that just on Mac or? No, no. So we both still work. All changes are backwards compatible. In the beginning, it was microcates dot foo. Now uh -huh. it's microcates space foo, but both still work. We, we're pushing for, we're trying to keep like the UX coherent with other products as well. So the space is the most prominent option. Nice. And then for those of you getting started, I would definitely recommend you do things like enabling DNS, like it says here, microcades, enable dashboard and DNS. So dashboard is the GUI, the official Kubernetes dashboard, and then DNS. Those are my most popular two choices. If you're just getting started locally, we talk about those in the, the Kubernetes mastery course. And then let's see what else. Any reason for all nodes showing up as workers on HA? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So with HA, I think I said it before, all nodes are an API endpoints. All nodes are worker nodes as well. The data store is embedded into the API server. And we have all these different roles for the data store node. So you have a leader, you have voters, you have standby and you have spares. The reason is we wanted to, to simplify the operations effectively when with HA, as soon as you have three or more nodes, you can use the kubectl commands everywhere on all nodes, which is really cool. Okay. So how, cause I, I know that I've had students ask me about seeing the indication when they get nodes, right? When they do a cube control, is that still the right way to get status of like, where is my leader? I mean, I know that technically we're not supposed to care, but are there, are there ways to see what's going on? I guess maybe the microcate status command. So the status command will give you like the IPs of the quorum. So the data store replication nodes, and then yeah, the kubectl get nodes is, is also showing you what nodes are part of your, your cluster. So, so let me just make sure I'm clear. 
So the, the cube control get nodes command isn't going to provide the status of who's leader, who's no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Because th this is Kubernetes data source specific that it has nothing to do right. with, with the nodes itself. Okay. So I hope that helps maximum and minimums of micro Kate's number of pods, master nodes, worker nodes. Okay. So we already kind of answered that current Kate's available. Can we upgrade? Ooh, so that's a good question. Upgrading. Yeah, um, that's a really good question. So in terms of support, we always commit to support the latest three upstream versions. So right now we're on the latest one, but, uh, minus two. So 119 is the latest stable version for microkits as well. Uh, what you would do is that you can subscribe to different uh, snap tracks to sort of say, I want to be on edge, I want to be on beta, and then really decide how you want to take it. So either you're on the latest and greatest, or you're on the latest stable, or, and in the end with the, the snap mechanism also provides you uh, a way to automatically update from version to version. And you can, but you can always control the updates if you want to have it or not. Right. And so, yeah, for those of you out there that haven't installed this, make sure you're thinking about Snap as a technology, you might want to learn a little bit about that. It is not the same as apt or yum. So, uh, you definitely want to look into in the that. End, in the end, the snap is, uh, a more modern way to package software. Like it started with TARS and, and devs went into apt, and then we've been working on snaps for quite a long time. And we feel that it provides a better packaging and isolation mechanism. And there's a lot of security benefits from it. Like you get automatically, uh, automatic security patching and like the updates can also be automated so that, yeah, that's kind of the cool things that come with the snap packaging. Right. The, one of the common questions I get too is someone who's learning Kubernetes and they're learning about all these different services that have to run from the, whether it's on a node or uh, a master node, one of the control plane nodes. And one of the things that MicroKates does out of the box is it, I believe it runs on container D as its runtime. Yes. And it installs some of the standard services that you would expect, you know, the API, the controller manager, things like this. It installs them, I think it's system D services on the host OS. So yeah, we, we won't have to necessarily get into it, but for those of you getting started, if you were to do something like get pods, all namespaces you wouldn't see the same thing as you might see in like a Docker desktop install or maybe a Rancher install or something like that. Because that's one of the flexibilities about Kubernetes is that the way you install all of the necessary services can vary. It, they may be in containers and they may not. Now with this snap, unless it's changed recently this year, let me know, but all, most of all those things out of the box that are ne absolutely required are installed as systemd services, which means if you do a get of the different namespaces or just of all namespaces, you won't see those there because they're running in systemd like normal host processes do. And then yeah. as you enable optional features like DNS or dashboard, or I'm assuming the other ones like Istio registry, I haven't actually checked all of them, but those things will install as containers because I'm guessing it's easier for it to download those, manage those as containers from a from that perspective, is that yeah. correct? You, you got no. everything right to the detail, right? Really? Okay. okay. Yeah. So it's, it, I mean, and it just shows to the flexibility of Kubernetes and how each, a lot of times students will ask me about why well, I'm having a problem with name resolution. I'm having a problem with a service port or what, or how do I get things running on port 80 or, you know, all these different questions that are related to the 
specific way that they install Kubernetes. So that's how it actually gets a little challenging in the Kubernetes space, because we can't all be talking about this, the design of the architecture, the infrastructure, and it's all different depending on your distribution. So you first have to answer that question of, so if you're in a, by the way, pro tip, you're asking questions of, like in this case, about something specific like that, you always have to frame the question with, I am using microcates, or I am using Docker desktop, or I am using a, you know, AWS, you know, Kubernetes VM or something like that. You have to give us the way you installed Kubernetes because it, that will completely change how, how networking works, how ingress works, proxies, all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, pro tip for this, we almost on a daily basis, we're having to tell students that, Hey, you didn't give us any information. We have no idea how you're running Kubernetes. So please. <laughs> Please help us out. Give us some info. Snap info. Ooh, you know, giving us some tips here. Snap info microcates is a command that you can see the channels talking about Alex, what he was saying there earlier. So what about the remaining master components like API server, controller manager, kube scheduler? They have the leader voter standby and spare if something goes wrong with master node. Oh. Yeah, I think what they're asking is that, yeah, how do the individual components relate to this leader standby relationship thing? So I, I don't think they're tied into the leader voter standby spare because these refer to the, the roles within the database forum. So in theory, the most difficult thing to get right when you talk about HA and Kubernetes has to do with how do you protect your data store from failure? Because th the state of your cluster is stored in the data store. So if you manage to uh, make your data store highly available, all the rest can be like, okay, your server can fail, but you can still manage to recover it from the, the data you have stored in your highly available data store. So that's how we, I think we, we focused a lot on getting the data store HA right in order to ensure that if all things go south, users can still recover their Kubernetes from the data store. Right. So that. Hey, we have Cousin in the room. Oh. So Cousin, shout out to my fellow Greek senior engineer behind Microcates. <laughs> we got somebody in the audience that has the answer. All nodes run the API server. We run three instances of the scheduler and the controller manager all the time. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's pretty interesting. I don't, I'm trying to think of another, like sort of a minimal install kind of tool that does that where it runs the API server everywhere. Yeah. Cause the fine print in a lot of cloud distributions even is that, you know, they might only be running one database node or one copy of the API at a time. And now they're granted if the problem here is like Hagen, what is it? The part before the horse thing or the chicken, it's the chicken or the egg scenario. If you're running all these things in Kubernetes, then when you have to manage the, when the infrastructure goes down, Kubernetes isn't there to actually fix all these services. So again, I think these things are all running in system D. I guess there's some sort of manager, like some sort of agent that's not kubelet, I guess, on these systems that's running in system D. What's doing the job of running all of these things? I don't know if you know the answer to that or we're gonna went on the I, internet I delay for here. I, I don't, but uh, I think Cos can chime in and save me in the chat, but. Yeah. So yeah, it's about 20 second delay. So we'll wait for the answer on that, but we'll, so, we'll skip to another way. What, 
That reminds me, I, I think we should direct our users to our discourse page. So if you go on to microcable.io and you have any questions, like how, however technical, there's a community tab that you can open and feel free to do- drop in any question or feedback uh, that you might have. We're really interested in hearing back from the community and yeah, the team is super like on it to address like all possible questions. And one question I got was, do you prefer using microcates over K3S from Rancher? Which approach do you think it is more agnostic? I would say that I would probably, so, okay. I got into microcates before K3S was easy to install. And there's like, there's some tools out there that help with that with K3S or K3s, whichever way you want to say it. And so I probably lean towards microcates just because I know it better. I'm not saying it's, they they both run Kubernetes and now they both do HA Kubernetes and they both have installers. So it's really up to you, which ecosystem you want to be in. They both are going to run, you know, support all the standard Kubernetes API stuff, but which approach do you think is more agnostic? I would probably lean toward microcates because not that you need it to be agnostic, but it's, things are modular in microcase, which is a normal process for your Kubernetes installs as you have all these different services and your, your things are sort of spread out a little bit. Whereas with K3S is designed specifically around a single binary, removing a lot of the things that aren't necessary. So that's not a bad thing, but I would say that for you, if you're interested in comparing that, just try both out. And if you like the K3S command line, or if you like, you know, you like the way that Ubuntu provides a snap install, right? Because that's not something that I'm aware of that K3S has. So it's just, it's really about how, what, what tool you prefer deploying and managing. Some people are already running Ubuntu and they're used to snaps and they're very comfortable with that. So that would make sense. Some people are totally in the rancher world and they're using all the other rancher tools and they're using their, you know, the rancher Kubernetes and the, the rancher kube install tools and stuff like that. So K3S would, you know, make sense for them. Also, both of these, I'm, I'm, if I understand it correctly, can I get, that's not a question that's been asked. But this is like the enterprise money question. Can I get enterprise support for microcates through Canonical? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So if you're someone who's already getting enterprise support through someone like Canonical, then that makes sense to align your vendors. A lot of times when I'm talking to customers about which Kubernetes they need to choose, because there's a hundred distributions, it really becomes a question of, well, what vendor relationships do you already have? And, you know, what are you already paying for? Because you may already have it, right? You may, depending on, if you're on Red Hat, you're going to be looking at Red Hat. If you're on VMware, you're going to be looking at VMware. So that's not necessarily the decision they always make because I just ended up having a client the other week that chose a different Kubernetes vendor than their main infrastructure vendor. But, you know, it, sometimes that's the way you got to go. Or, or if this is just a personal project, like go with something easy. I also like that, you know, microcates for learning. It's, I think it's one of the easiest ways to learn Kubernetes because it now comes with the installer for every VM platform. So when you take my courses, it's one of the three main ways I'd, I recommend that you try out Kubernetes. One of them is Docker Desktop, one of them is Minikube, and then now Microcase is in there as well because it it's, tends to be my go-to. More so nowadays, you know, like Kind or Minikube or something like that. So, yeah. all right, did, we, did I provide enough filler for us to get the, uh, the answer there? Oh, all Kubernetes no, I, services are systemd services. All right. I think you, you got us super right with regards to the differences between the two distributions. I get that question a lot. I, th- I think you, you provided a really good answer. It's really, 
it, it really boils down to what the user is looking for. I feel that we are mostly focusing on, you know, removing the friction and going towards that zero ops user experience where you don't really need to, to go into the weeds of Kubernetes, including the add-ons. We try to provide the most popular Kubernetes tools or add-ons as a single command. So you can do microkits, enable, foo, and you get like probably the most comprehensive set of Kubernetes plugins that you would want to, to have around your distribution, like Istio or Prometheus or Grafana or DNS and so on and so forth. Whereas in K3S, you would need to still do like the manual setup of all these. I'm not saying it's super hard. It's just right. like one less step to take. And the same experience applies to pretty much everything we do in microkates. Sort of try to show you how HA works. It's a single command to, to, to add nodes into your cluster. As long as you have, as soon as you have three or more nodes, poof, you get HA magic. I know in the K3S world, it's probably uh, like a couple more commands. It's really not that big of a deal. But uh, yeah, I think both, it, it's really good to have the, the differentiation between the distributions and yeah, it definitely makes sense to, to have both around. And I should actually also say that we, we are also using the kind of sort of middleware that the brancher provided in K3S to, to do the work to enable Dequalite instead of etcd and that's like the community, the Kubernetes community working towards similar goals and having different distributions benefit from other people's work is really nice to see. Right. Right. Yeah. There was some questions around, can you assist a non-system D systems? Can you run uh, micro on them? And the answer is no. So there, there, which I don't, I'm sure there are Linux distributions that don't use system D, but I haven't seen one in a while. So not that it doesn't exist. It's just, it's not common as, as near as common as my, in my experience, at least. So it is a hard dependency on system D to run that stuff in the background. And obviously you have to have snap, like you have to have snap installed in that Linux distribution to be able to install it. So let's see, yeah, it's hard requirement set by snap. Oh, you cannot have snaps without system D. It's a hard requirement set by snap D. All right, there you go. Um, there was a question on how to run two different, run on containers and two different cloud providers behind a load balancer of some kind of routing mechanism. So that's a pretty advanced setup. I don't have a single customer that's ever done that. So usually if it's just a website, you're going to have like an external load balancer and you just have to route them between zones. Well, not availability zones, but regions rather. Microcates has add-ons management and K3S can be installed everywhere without Snap. Oh, that's an interesting distinction. Yeah. The other big difference is, as we said before, uh, K3S is a single binary, like a, 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 they recompile effectively all the Kubernetes services and for, in a single binary, whereas we provide all the Kubernetes binaries, everything coming from the upstream in a single package, which is the snap. Right. Compatible container platforms for microcates. So I'm not sure what that question means. What container is, what do you, maybe? yeah, are you, what is you, what do you consider a container platform? So yeah, if you're talking about runtimes, it uses container D out of the box, which is the same thing that Docker uses. So in fact, you can have Docker and microcates on the same server, same system, and they, but they won't interfere with each other. They're, they're separate. I can actually, in other words, Docker is not a dependency of microcades because it doesn't need to be. Most people that are running Kubernetes, especially if they're running a distribution, we have a yeah, decent number of them there that are using container D. So there's a slow shift from 
Kubernetes distributions automating the install of container D rather than you having to go and manually install Docker. But because reality is once you have Kubernetes installed, um, unless there's a hard requirement on a feature of Docker, you're not usually using the Docker command line anymore. So, you know, there's lots of reasons you might need to run Docker, but you don't necessarily have to have it running your, under your Kubernetes for you. All right. I think we've wrapped up all of the questions and we're kind of a perfect timing. Let's, let's talk about how people get started. So a lot of people say they sound like they have not used microcase before. So it sounds like, what are you going to recommend? Go to the website, go to the homepage, microcase.io, select the platform that you uh, want to install microcase on and just follow the instructions. Super easy, single commands on Linux, just a single installer on windows. And I guess a couple of commands on Mac OS and then everything's pretty comprehensible. Uh, you can use the microcase status command to see the, the health of your instance and then check out all the different add-ons that are available. I've listed some of them before, but the list is a little bit more extensive than what I listed before. And yeah, you can also follow the tutorials that are on the website to get you started. You, we have a Raspberry Pi tutorial, but we have the clustering tutorial and we'll keep adding to the list of tutorials that we uh, provide to our users. And of course, we are an open source community as well. Everybody can contribute. Like if you have any cool use case that you are playing with, feel free to, to contribute a tutorial to the website. Happy to discuss with you further. And then, yeah, I mean, in terms of production grade and our shift towards the enterprise, I think we're, we're getting better and better at addressing needs, especially with the edge and IOT. And yeah, we'll hopefully we'll have some case studies out there soon because people are also asking us like, okay, I have this sort of super important production, uh, story that I, and I'm interested in, uh, using microkids because it's so simple, but can I have some specific examples? So in the past, we weren't really allowed to, to be public with, with our customers, but hopefully we'll have something there soon. Very nice. Is there, is there, by the way, is there a distribution list or some way that I can get notified of new updates? How do I stay aware of the changes going on in the microkids community? So uh, if you go on the docs, the, there are release notes with uh, with all the changes that that occur and actually causes always sending an email and an update on the Kubernetes main websites. These are the, the two most prominent ways to get informed about latest changes. And we have a, we also have a Kubernetes uh, Slack channel. So in in the Kubernetes Slack, uh, you can find hash microcates a channel to, to discuss with the team. And I think I've listed everything. We also have a YouTube channel with some cool demos and a few intro videos were on microcates. So I can share that with you. It's called celebrate Ubuntu and you'll find the microcates videos underneath our channel. By the way, I was, while you were talking, I was actually realizing that so for those of you getting started, this trips up a lot of my students as well. Don't go and install. Okay. So. When you install microcates, it's not going to give you, you can't just type cube control. And that doesn't mean that you should go and install cube control. What you should be doing is this, like you should be looking at the fact that microcates provides you cube control out of the box, but it's not going, it doesn't want to conflict with maybe another cube control install that you already have running uh, a different, you know, that, that binary directly. So they have a nice little alias that they recommend. I do the same thing for multipass. I actually just alias MP to multipass. And that way you're not stepping on the foots of cube control. And here's the important reason why is that you might have multiple clusters, right? So if you have, 
if you're on a, your local command line and you maybe manage remote clusters and they have different versions, the kube control command line uh, can only be so many versions. I think it's two versions out of date from that cluster. So the nice thing is if you follow the directions in the getting started guide, that will make sure that your microcates kube control command line also stays versioned with your microcates itself. I messed that up when I first started using it and didn't quite uh, understand the nuances. Also, it automatically manages the certificate of you getting into your cluster. So you don't have to worry about that either, where you would maybe have to do a little bit of manual finagling if you were separating out your kube control command line install from the microcates. So the nice thing is kind of like how the Docker desktop does this, microcates manages the CLI for you as well as the server components. So I highly recommend you do that method instead of manually installing kube control and then trying to make it work because that's more work for really no benefit. I see, I see a couple of questions that we've already answered. So I would invite the people, like, especially the microgates versus K3S that's been covered in detail. And again, microgates is production ready. We, we just launched general availability for HA. So we're quite optimistic that it can take heavy hits and still be up and running. That's the whole purpose of this launch. And congratulations on HA. That's a big, uh, that's a big, huge win. And something that's, I think is going to help a lot of people that were already learning microcates and now can actually use it in a more production businessy type of scenario, instead of having to learn a whole different tool that does things differently. And the. Next thing for everybody to do is to go check that out in multipass for managing your VM. So don't forget about multipass if you're not checking that out. And we mentioned that earlier as well. And that's going to be it. Thank you so much, Alex. This has been a Thanks great so show. Yeah. Is there a Twitter feed? I actually was confused about this. Is there a Twitter feed that people can follow on? Uh, on Microgate specifically, no, but is it, you is can it always, yeah, you can always follow the Ubuntu Twitter feed at Ubuntu. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not that much of a Twitter guy myself. I'm more like Facebook and LinkedIn, but yeah. All right. I, I'm always there for work purposes either way. Right, right. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for showing up live this week. And again, if you want to get updates about what's going on, what's being released in terms of my content and my stuff, jump over to Patreon. All right. Thanks again, Alex. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode.